Welcome to the only podcast for piano teachers just starting out, Piano Teacher Primer. My name is Angela Toon. Keep listening for the prime pro tips you can use with your own students right away. Want to welcome Abigail Prophet to the Piano Teacher Primer podcast. So yay and welcome, and we're so excited to hear from her. So first, tell us how you got started teaching piano. Okay, well, I'm excited to be here, and it's great to meet you, by the way. Um, you too. So my, my piano teaching story is kind of funny. Like, I, I laugh when I tell students this. Um, so when I was like eight or nine, I was begging to quit piano. And then around 10 is when I taught my first lesson. So <laughs> I tell my students, like, if they start to hit that rut, I'm like, just wait another year or two. You might hit that spot where you want to teach. Oh my goodness. You were 10 years old. So I taught my first lesson when I was 10. Um, I had played like some solo in church or something. And some moms came up to me afterwards and they were like, can you teach our kids to play the piano? So I had three students um, when I was 10 and they paid me $2 a lesson and I taught them for a good year or two. So I had my whole studio at 10 years old. That <laughs> is so awesome. World, but they did. So, <laughs> oh my goodness, that is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, Was your teacher or your mom helping you or how did you no, know what to I do had... with them? So I was classically trained. I had been taking piano for five years at that point. Um, and I would go back to my piano lesson and tell my teacher what I was doing or like what I was stuck on. And she would kind of give me some pointers on how to introduce those new concepts. And I was teaching my students in the church library that had like an upright in there. And there was these old John Thompson method books in there. I had oh, no idea how to use classics. them, but I, that's what I did. <laughs> the classic. <laughs> um, so I was using those and yeah, that's where my love started. Like I just realized I really enjoyed doing that. And um, I loved seeing these music makers develop. I was teaching composition with what very little I knew at that point, but I just practiced like writing out notation with them and stuff like that. So um, then when I was 12, I raised my rate $5. Wow, <laughs> gave yourself a raise. I'm laughing because I have a 10 year old daughter, you know, and it yeah, it's crazy. I can't to think really about. imagine her teaching. <laughs> um, so I had a couple students then, and then um, I lived in when I started high school. My parents and I moved to New York City, wow. and uh, I started my actual studio there when I was fifteen. And I had nine students in New York. Um, so that's where I say I started teaching piano because that's when I was actually. A little more knowledgeable about what I was doing and I had more performance experience and all that um, and then I decided when I was 17 that I wanted to major in piano pedagogy piano teaching in college so I went on and got my degree in that and while I was in college I taught at a music school in New York and where I had 26 students there and then I taught for a couple of years at a music school in Texas and I had almost 40 there so I awesome. feel like I kind of expedited my teaching experience that way just by getting tons and tons of students and learning really fast wow um, and my two oldest siblings are also teachers and they're they're both 15 years older than me so I get to watch oh. them like their successes and learn from them so I feel like all those factors really helped kind of fast track 
my teaching experience. Wow. Um, yeah. But I graduated with my degree a year ago now and I have oh, my congratulations. Thank you. Um, and I have my private studio now of 33 students in Texas. So that's oh, my congratulations. Thank that's you. fantastic. Yeah, but you don't <laughs> just teach, I know, because I we're friends already on Instagram. <laughs> and I know that you have a ton of other things. Tell us about all the other awesome stuff that you're doing that has grown out of your teaching and your needs in your studio. Yeah. So um I have an online shop helping other teachers called Bold Foundation Method. And I've also whole, whole like W-H-O-L-E. Like whole note. Yeah. Like whole note, whole foundation method. We'll link it for yeah. sure. Okay. Um, and I started that really because I needed tools for my students that I couldn't find online. I'm really picky about what I use with them. <laughs> and I noticed like a lot of the games that I was finding just weren't productive. Like they're, they kill time and they're fun, but they weren't very pedagogically helpful. So that's why I started creating games that I can actually use to teach new concepts to my students and um, just kind of mix up lessons, especially since I really like that three to five-year-old age. You can't keep them on the bench the whole time. <laughs> so it's a losing I, battle. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, and then kind of as a result of that, I was getting a lot of questions from teachers as they started to get traction on Instagram and stuff like questions about my teaching approach and how I use games and all that. So some courses have sprung from that. I've launched two courses now, kind of just answering questions that I've gotten and I have more courses in the works. So yay. Are those through yeah. Etsy or are those on a different yeah. site? They're also available. I'm working on my website now, but right now everything is on Etsy. On Etsy. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So we'll just link to that and then they can find you from there. Uh, just yeah. a curious question. Cause I did ped pedagogy classes at the university of Utah. Um, okay. Did they have you use a certain method in your two different um, experiences there? They they had us use piano adventures, but our pedagogy instructor, like the, she was kind of the umbrella over it all. Uh -huh. She didn't love it, but it was the standard that the university had used for years. And they're actually this year starting to celebrate piano, which is what I teach out of now. Um, and that's really, piano. that's really fun because um, she was an amazing pedagogy mentor to me. And recently she mm. was like, okay, I'm going to change the whole curriculum. Do you think I should do safari or celebrate and I was like celebrate so that was fun to like be part okay, of that new awesome. track that the future pedagogy students will be on <laughs> I want to make sure to link everything that we said oh that's yeah. so cool okay interesting yeah so we yeah, had I use kind of a different I use a mixture of methods and depending on the yeah. needs of the student mm -hmm. me yeah, too yeah that's awesome well, rad. Okay. So I wanted to move now into your top three tips for beginning piano teachers. So okay. give us the first one and then you can elaborate and explain. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. On the track of method books. So I've taught, like I said, in several music schools and I also taught from books. I didn't know what I was doing. And <laughs> so I would encourage any new teacher to really know 
the method books that are out there and know the supplementary material available because especially when you get transfer students coming in with a book you've never taught before, you're really not going to know how to approach them if you don't understand their background a little mm. bit. So I would just encourage you to dig into the approaches of each method book, how they work, what the long-term results are, because um, they all kind of reap a different track. Um, and then no solo work because that's the, that's the secret sauce to enriching and kind of securing that musical foundation. And uh, it's really nice to know what you have for recitals and stuff like that. Yes. What makes a good recital piece. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I so agree. And there's so much out there. It can be overwhelming and to figure out what you want to teach. Mm -hmm. So do you kind of have a base curriculum and then supplement from there? Or are you always trying new things? Yeah, when I was, especially at music school, so I was required at the school in New York to use Alfred's basic piano library. And that's what I grew up on. So I was mm -hmm. really familiar with that. And then at the Texas music school, I had to use piano adventures. Um, and now I use Celebrate Piano as my base, which is basically the method book series that precedes um, the Royal Conservatory Celebration Series. Um, so all the RCM leveled repertoire. Um, so that's like my base method book, but I supplement a lot with like Melody Bover and Gillock and Glover, all the all the classic people. <laughs> um, but so I also good. like Music Tree and Piano Safari for some students. So it kind of just depends on their needs. Yeah, totally, totally. Okay, tip number two. Be willing to try new things, but do not try them all at once. <laughs> That's I, good advice. When I was like in the middle of my degree, I was learning all the new things. And I was like, I got to implement all of these right away. And I just felt really confused all the time. And it was not a productive lesson experience. So um, it's important to keep learning, but don't constantly introduce new things, like give each new concept a little time to marinate with you and your student, and then maybe introduce something else in a few weeks, but don't do it all at once. So good. And I find if I'm getting sort of bored or restless, I might just need to change the pieces that I'm teaching and just really mm -hmm. teach what I want to teach and what I want to yeah. be listening to all the time. And I'm thinking yeah. sometimes that I'm doing things that the kids want to do, but then I'm just like bored or something. Yeah. And so, yeah, I agree. Be willing to try new things. And sometimes in my mind, I'm like, if I have a set curriculum, then I'll just be good. And I'll know exactly what to tell everybody, but students right. all have different needs. Yeah. And, and, and like I had two twins and I'm like, I don't want to start them on the same method because they are going to be competitive on who's ahead and it's going to be yeah. weird. So I started them on two different method methods at the same time. So they had no idea where the other one was. And then that was fun for me to try out a new method at the same time. Yeah. So and trying along the lines of trying new things, like I figured out a pattern that works for me, which I kind of got this idea from Christina Whitlock. We all love her. Um, <laughs> but, she has the Beyond Measure podcast. Yes, she's incredible. Um, like introduce new things one at a time and gradually. So maybe try that new thing for a few months at a time. So like 
during the course of the year, I teach all, all year through the summer and school year. Um, I might have like the summer be our site reading summer where we're just really going to town on um, site playing pretty simple music, maybe doing extra music games. So it feels lighter, but they're still kind of enriching those aspects that we might not focus on as much throughout the year. Um, and then fall might be like a practice challenge where everyone is competing with practice days or something. So we're learning a lot about practice strategies or memory strategies. And then another part of the year will be a recital focus. So kind of keeping things changed up and introducing new things that way so that you don't get stagnant, but you're not crowding the students with new stuff all the time. Yeah. Having a focus for a season. Yeah. That's a good suggestion. And then if you feel like you're kind of lacking in your teaching in a certain area, you can make that your next focus. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, like a composition focus or a, a performance focus, that kind of thing. I love that. That is a great idea or an extra challenge to go with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. so cool. And sight reading in the summer makes sense because it's, it's that's crazy. what my teacher did. And I always loved summer. So I was like, oh, we can take a break from like going so hard after the repertoire and just fill in those blanks. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Tip number three, when you're done. <laughs> Um, so this is kind of what you were saying earlier, but just remember that one size does not fit all with your students. Um, you are not just teaching piano, you're teaching individuals. So mm. yeah, we're piano teachers, but our primary focus isn't teaching keys on the keyboard. It's teaching the person in front of you, right? So um, rather than just like turning the next page in the method book and hoping that you're going to get the same results with each student, plan for their individual interests and their individual needs um, because some will do better with one method series like you were saying um, some might need extra off the bench time like those three to five year olds so you might need to plan specific games for their needs um, some are hands-on learners some just like the theory aspect you know there's going to be a lot of different nuances with each student so um just plan for that individuality and don't, don't resent it if they don't all fit your, your curriculum or your ideal, you know, framework. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I agree. And that's why I love teaching private lessons because mm -hmm. I can be a different teacher for each student that comes in the door. Right. And it's a beautiful thing. And then, and then, yeah, I can tailor whatever we choose to that student and then tailor the growth to that student as yeah. long as they're growing, improving themselves. I also heard you on another podcast talking about, um, was it ADHD? ADHD and autism. Yeah. And autism. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that too. That's another individual. I have a student with special needs also. And okay. we have a completely different agenda for that one. Yeah, you. I think the beauty in private teaching, but especially teaching neurodivergent students is that you don't have to have an agenda with them because each milestone they make is a celebration because that's their milestone. It's not being compared to anyone else's. And it just, it removes a lot of stress for you as the teacher if you don't have 
this curriculum set of expectations of every student. It's like, we're going to take you where you are and celebrate your milestones. Um, so yeah, I, I specialize in preschool piano, but also neurodivergent students. So I have a very individualized experience for them. Um, particularly my autistic students, I give them a lot of say in the lessons. I have like a activity mat with little squares that they can fill in with pictures. I have a bunch of picture cards with different activities they can do and they choose what happens in their lesson. So I just have to be very spontaneous and ready with a sharp brain for how I'm going to accommodate their choices because I don't know what they're going to pick that day. Um, and that's where it's important too, to know your books and know your repertoire because they might choose a book you weren't planning to teach that day, you know, so. Mm. And you've got to have things terrible. ready to grab because mm -hmm. you were describing some of the games and things. Tell us a little bit about organization. Do you have all your games <laughs> Easy to grab. I'm the organization queen. <laughs> yeah, you are. Give me some tips because I'm in the studio and I'm like, I need games. Easy to grab. Where do I put yeah. them? So I organize my games seasonally. And I think it's funny that I have such a big online business selling games because I actually don't use all of my games very often. <laughs> I mean, I use them, but I use them seasonally. So I will choose... Yeah. Um, maybe two or three for certain concepts. Like I have sections in a, my game binder, a rhythm section, an interval section, and then note reading or ear training section. I'll kind of switch those up. And then I'll choose two or three seasonal games to go in each of those sections. And that way students get used to those games. They're not learning something new every week because it takes a lot of time to learn a new game. Um, and I'll just kind of cycle through that. And then in the next two months, I'll choose a different set of games to go in the binder. So um, I have the rest of my games in my teaching closet organized by season and concept. And then I'll just cycle through the binder that I use on a regular basis. And they're just in the binder. So you can just open it up and play right there. Yeah. And they're all categorized. Like they have, I have tabs that I can flip to for each concept. Smart. And then you can go straight to the concept that that student needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So and I, I don't lesson plan every week, but when I feel like a, a student is getting kind of stagnant or I'm getting, I call it lazy teaching. If I find myself just starting to flip to the next page, every lesson, I'm like, okay, I'm being lazy. I'm not planning for their needs. Um, I will sit down and lesson plan and I will plan in what game they need for what concept they're struggling with. So I don't use them to kill time. I really do try to use games to fill in those needs. Mm -hmm. and reinforce areas that they might be weak in. Oh, that is, you've inspired me. That is so awesome. Yeah. And then having it all contained, but then specific to that season and then changing it out. Yeah. And they love idea. when it's like season changing. Oh yeah. Fresh games Ooh. now. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then, um, yeah. And then they can pick the order of their lesson. Cause I've noticed some special needs kids want the same every week. And then mm -hmm. some like to mix it up. So. Yeah. For example, I have twins who are both autistic. Um, and one of the twins could sit at the piano the whole time and just play her music because she loves the repertoire. The other twin is like, I can't handle more than two songs. You know? <laughs> She's like, we have to be on the floor playing games. So 
I use the cards more for her than her sister and her sister will pick out cards and then forget that she picked them out because she's sitting at the bench the whole time. She's like, oh, we didn't do these five things. <laughs> but that's <laughs> different cute. for different people. <laughs> that's so They're cute. Incredible. Brilliant. Oh, brilliant. Really? Maybe of you could send me a photo. Could you send me a photo of your um, game board or do you have it handy? You could show it. Yeah, I am. Um, I mean, I have one on my Instagram so I can pull it up here. Okay. I will say I get a lot of questions about how I make time for the activities on that map because mm-hmm. there's six total squares. Um, and I will just say students with ADHD or autism have very short attention spans for those activities they pick. So it's really a student paced lesson. We might spend five or 10 minutes on each card or even two minutes, you know, so it's very mm-hmm. quick. It's just touching on those concepts. Mm. Um, so this is what it looks like. Cute. It has six squares. And then I will choose like maybe 10 cards for them to pick from. Mm. They don't. They don't get the whole stack every time because it would just take way too long. But mm-hmm. you can see, I, I even put pictures of their piano books on some of the cards so they can pick which book they want to do that. Which thing. book they want to do. Good, good. Yeah. That is so cool. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. Any <laughs> final advice for beginning teachers? Um, I, I Just be easy on yourself because mm. it's going to take a while to find your niche and your rhythm. Um, And you might feel a lot of pressure to have it all figured out, but just like focus on strengthening one skill at a time. Don't try to perfect it all at once. Oh, that's great advice. That's great advice. Well, thank you again for coming on with me. I love it so much. And well, I took some good notes too. And I love what you said. Each milestone is a celebration. So thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) And good luck with your, with your studio and your courses and your Etsy shop and all the great things. Thanks again. Absolutely. Thanks for joining me on this episode. Teaching piano has given me a fun and fulfilling way to add to my family income. With over 20 years of experience, I've put together my best advice into the Piano Teacher Primer course. It gives the motivation to start teaching and the confidence to keep going. We can multiply the joy of music and multiply income at the same time. Visit AngelaToon.com and together we'll change the world one student at a time.